Amen. You guys can have a seat. Uh, for those of you who are wondering where uh, Ricky or Alex are, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I am the person that will be with you today. Um, my name is David. Uh, I am the worship resident here at South, and I help direct the middle school. Uh, and so this is a real treat for me because usually uh, the ones who I am teaching or preaching to have a much shorter attention span than all of you. Uh, some of my middle schoolers are in the room, and they can attest to this. I'm not calling you out, guys. I'm just saying. Yeah, you, could, you could do a little better. Um, but it's okay. There's grace for that. So I'm very excited that there's not going to be a lot of blank stares, hopefully, and my jokes will land a little bit more. Uh, but like I said, I'm David. Um, something fun about me, I, I recently got married. Uh, it's been about six months in my, since my wife and I got married. Uh, and it is amazing uh, because one of my favorite things to do is travel, do outdoorsy things. And having a wife now, I do not have to worry about her uh, flaking on our trips. Right? <laughs> I now have a partner to, like, go and visit places with, and it's just like built into uh, my life, which is awesome, because I've been a part of groups that have planned trips, and eventually you get to a point where it's like a week before the trip, uh, and someone texts the group and is like, hey guys, I don't think I can make it anymore. And then people start dropping like flies, and it's so frustrating. Like, there's a frustration that grips my heart that's, like, sinful uh, in some ways, probably. Uh, it's like, why can't you just commit to something? Like, please, like, stop ditching. It's so annoying. And some of you probably know friends like this. You, somebody came to mind, and you're like, yeah, that person for sure. And then some of you are sitting there like, I don't know if I know anyone like that. Um, and I'm here to tell you that you are that person, <laughs> probably. Uh, <laughs> probably. Uh, or I don't know. But that is frustrating, right? You plan something probably months in advance, gets to a week before, and people drop out. You're like, what happened? And really, I think this is because there are kind of two types of people. There are the overexcited overcommitters, right? These are the people, your friends, that they get excited with, like, the new thing. And they're like, oh, my goodness, we're going to Colorado? That's amazing. We're going to go skiing? Yes, I am in. And then they kind of, like, forget about it for, like, a couple months. And then they're a week out, and they're like, texting you guys, and they're like, hey, so how much is this going to cost? Uh, when are we going? Where are we staying? All these things. And you're like, dude, we have talked about this several times. Like, what do you think? And then they're like, oh, man, I don't think I can make it work. And a lot of times, it's because they are just caught up in the hype. They haven't really molded over or thought about, hey, what is this going to take to actually go on this trip? They're just thinking about all the fun things they're going to get to do, but they don't see the work that it, it's going to take to get there. And the, the six-hour drive, you know, the money, um, they just don't see that. They don't take that into account. And then the second type of person is a person that kind of likes to keep their options open, right? They're kind of one foot in, one foot out, just waiting kind of for the next thing to come along. They're, they're like, actually, I, I kind of want to do that a little more. 
uh, then I want to do this. So I'm going to switch over here, right? That's so annoying to me. I'm like, be, like, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Come on. <laughs> like, get with the program. It's just frustrating, right? Because what they're really saying is like, hey, I don't really want to do this, but, but maybe I do. Maybe I don't. And you have no idea where, where to say. And then when they do eventually ditch and switch, they're saying, hey, I, I value this over, over hanging out with you and doing this thing with you. It's frustrating. There these two types of people, the overexcited, overcommitters, and the people that like to keep their options open. Um, some of us are introverts, and we like to cancel plans. Uh, yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about. Like, it just feels nice. And that's probably where I would fall amongst these people. I'm not trying to say that I'm perfect or that I, I don't do this. I do. Uh, but, yeah, like, we all have some kind of part in, to play in this. And so, really, we're going to see this play out in a similar way in Matthew 8, in this passage, verses 18 through 22. We're going to see these two types of people. Uh, Jesus is going to say, follow me to two guys. And both times, at the heart of this message, is kind of this idea of be all in. Right? When you're planning a trip with your friends, you're like, hey, be all in. Commit. Like, be there, and when we go, don't, like, be a week out and say, hey, I'm not coming anymore, because that's going to throw everything off. But be all in. And this is what Jesus is going to say. He's going to say, lay aside your momentary comfort. Lay aside your cares. Lay aside your priorities for an eternal kingdom. So if you'll turn to Matthew 8 in your Bibles or on your devices, uh, we're going to be camped out in verses 18 through 22. We're also going to look at a passage in Daniel 7. If you want to bookmark that, um, that would be a really good thing to do. So, verses 18 through 22. Um, If you are new or if you missed a week or or have been kind of following along, we've been following Jesus' teaching through Matthew, and really it's been centered around uh, a common call of God is building his kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. And so uh, at the beginning we see Jesus start his ministry, and he calls four disciples specifically. He calls 12 uh, altogether, but we see him call four specifically. They're all fishermen, um, and if you're like me, I look at who God uh, and Jesus like chooses to be his disciples, and I'm like, oh, praise the Lord. Like, that gives me hope, because it's almost like uh, we, God has called me as one of his followers, and I look at it like LeBron James choosing me first to be on his basketball team. I'm terrible at basketball. You can ask the middle schoolers in the room. I'm bad. Uh, like, you don't want me on your team. But Jesus calling these disciples is like LeBron being like, yeah, you. I want you first. I'm like, are you sure? I can't do it. I can't dribble. I can't do anything. It's just comforting. These aren't like the cream of the crop. He's not choosing them because they're really awesome. He's choosing them because those are the people uh, who he has willed to come. And then we see the Sermon on the Mount. And really it's just a lot of teaching surrounding what it looks like to live for the kingdom. 
So if the theme is the kingdom of God is at hand, he's teaching through the Sermon on the Mount of, hey, this is what it looks like to live for the kingdom, to be about the kingdom. And then he comes down off the mountain, uh, and in a way, he, he begins to bring the kingdom of God into the lives of the people around him. He heals the leper. Uh, he heals the centurion's servant. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. And so this is what was covered last week by Jason. And now we get to this section, verses 18 through 22. It's pretty small, only five verses. And Jesus is going to kind of give this command, follow me. And that is really the theme of this section. So we're going to start, we're going to read kind of verse by verse. Uh, Then I'll bring in some context to kind of help us understand some of these verses. And then we'll kind of talk about what it means to us um, based off of what Jesus is saying. So verse 18, uh, if you'll look there with me. When Jesus saw a large crowd around him, he gave orders to go to the other side of the sea. Now, the sea that he's talking about is the Sea of Galilee. So he's in Capernaum, which is this town kind of on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, which is very big. It is large, big enough to where there's big waves and lots of stuff. That's next week. But uh, he sees this crowd around him. And Jesus, traditionally, in the Bible, is not about being in large crowds for very long. Uh, Many times he's just like, hey, uh, let's actually go. He either to be alone with God or just to kind of move uh, and see who is actually going to come and follow him to the next place. So he gives orders. He's like, hey, we're going to go across the sea, kind of to the south side of the Sea of Galilee. And in verse 19... Uh, we see this kind of story unfold. So a scribe approached him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And so a few things uh, to kind of note in context here. So scribes back in the day were kind of the Jewish elite. Um, These guys were well-educated. They usually came from sort of wealthy families. And so there were kind of three Uh, levels of schooling, and they would be kind of in that third level of schooling where they've gotten out of grade school, high school, and now they're in like college almost. Um, And so they're very learned, very well respected. And we see this this scribe kind of come up to Jesus and say, I will follow you. And up till now, Jesus has only like called his disciples, right? Like, he has gone up and said, hey, you, drop everything and follow me. And what we know is that was not normal for the time. Generally, uh, what we see uh, in guys asking to be disciples of, like, let's say a rabbi or a teacher or a priest, is that they do what this scribe is doing. They would go up to this teacher. They would say, hey, I want to learn from you. I'd like to be your disciple Uh, will you teach me? And then the rabbi would be like, yes or no. And so Jesus has already broken this norm, but uh, what this scribe is doing is not like unnatural or like not normal. Um, It's not like a pride thing necessarily. Um, And so we don't want to read into that, but really what we want to look at is what the scribe says. He says, teacher. So he's showing respect 
for Jesus in that he calls him rabbi. Like, that's a huge honor. That's a huge sign of respect. And then he says this, I will follow you wherever you go. And let's pause on that. That's kind of a big promise, right? Uh, how many of you have ever bargained with your children? And how many of them have said kind of a similar phrase of like, I'll do anything, Mom. I'll do anything, Dad. Uh, we know <laughs> just by way of how old they are that that is probably not true, right? <laughs> we will not take that promise to the bank. We're not going to cash in on that because you will start to think of things that you know for a fact they do not want to do. <laughs> Like, hey, uh, okay, keep your room clean for like a whole month. And they're like, oh, man, you got me. <sighs> Called my bluff. Sorry, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> like, you just know they're not, you're not going to cash in on that statement. And this scribe is kind of making the same statement, right? He said, I will follow you wherever you go. He's an overexcited overcommitter. And he's saying, hey, I'm in. Like, there's so much hype around Jesus at this point. He's just healed some people. He's been teaching. And the scribe is seeing all this. And from his lens, it might look like, wow, I want to follow that guy because he's going places. I want to, you know, maybe ride his coattails a little bit. I want to be known as uh, this disciple that has followed Jesus. And Jesus' response to the scribe really kind of gives us an idea uh, of why we would maybe think this, why this scribe is coming to him and be like, hey, man, I really want to follow Jesus because, shoot, like, I would get, like, all the social media follows. Like, I, I could, like, post pictures of me, me and Jesus together. That would be awesome. People like, you know, give me all the likes. Like, I could say that I was taught by Jesus. I could do all these things. That would be really cool. So he's trying to maybe see Jesus and, and leverage his following for his own gain. And Jesus, uh, in the next verse, really doesn't tell him no. Uh, he doesn't respond the way that I think many of us would. So verse 20, Jesus says this. Jesus told him, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. It's a little bit cryptic, I know. Like, most of us would not respond with this. We would just say yes or no. Um, but Jesus is not going to do that. Uh, first, what I want to point out is that in this verse, it says, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Uh, and what Jesus is doing there is he is claiming his title as the Messiah, as the Son of God. And we know this because really he's quoting this idea from Daniel 7, verses 13 through 14. So if you've bookmarked it, uh, that's great. You turn to Daniel 7, and verses 13 through 14 say this. I continued watching the, vision, the night visions, and suddenly one like the Son of Man was coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, that's God the Father, and was escorted before him. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, so that those of every people, every nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is 
and everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. And so this is what Jesus is referencing. And this would have been, for the Jews at the time, it would have been very, uh, like, something that they recognized. Especially this scribe who's learned, he's studied the Torah, he's studied the prophets. He's like, whoa, you're making that claim that you are the son of God. And then furthermore, what Jesus is saying is, hey, my kingdom is an everlasting kingdom because I am the son of God. All of this ties back into this idea of the kingdom of God is at hand, right? All of it. And it's really cool. And secondly, again, Jesus doesn't say yes or no. What he does, actually, is, is kind of give this guy a realistic view of what it's going to be like to follow him. And he does this with a word picture, kind of foxes, birds, the son of man, and the simple version of this is kind of said, hey, you've said that you're going to follow me wherever I go. Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but I don't even have a place to lay my head. I'm not about that. I'm not here for my own comfort or my own gain. I am here to do the will of the Father, to build his kingdom. And so this comfort that you're looking for, these expectations that you have, that's not what I'm about. And so we don't know the scribe's motivation. Uh, we, we can't like, look at it and be like, oh, he was totally after like, all these terrible things or these things and like, kind of throw judgment. We can only see what the text informs us. And so I'm going to step over here. This is the word of God, holy, like, untainted, like, unquestionable. And me and my silly ideas uh, over here. And so perhaps what the scribe is doing is like, hey, I would, you know, like the fame, the social standing, the power of being one of Jesus's disciples. Um, Maybe it was that he had this view like many Jews that the Messiah was going to come, who's going to kick out the Romans, kick out the Gentiles, build this awesome kingdom with only the Jews, And, like, that's how it was going to be. And so we see two different things here. That, one, he has maybe some expectations that aren't realistic. And, two, that he is maybe seeking his comfort. Right? Whatever it was, Jesus doesn't turn him away, but rather says, if you follow me, this is what it's going to look like. I don't even have a place to lay my head, and I am the son of man. He's essentially kind of posing this question to this guy of, are you willing to give up your expectations? Are you willing to give up your comfort to follow me? Are you willing to give up all these things to follow me wherever I go? And Jesus is saying the same thing to us today. Like He is saying, change your perspective. Change it in regard to your expectations and your comfort. So, what does this look like for us today as far as our expectations and our comfort? We're going to go expectations first, and then we'll talk about comfort and what that looks like. I think a lot of times, uh, 
just in Christian culture in the Midwest, in the United States. We have this expectation uh, that when we follow Jesus, we, our lives are suddenly going to be perfect. That somehow, uh, by following God, uh, we will not struggle with anything anymore. Uh, maybe it's that, hey, we're not going to struggle with sin anymore because we got Jesus. Or maybe it's that, hey, you know, God's grace is sufficient, so I'm just going to continue doing what I wanted to do uh, and sin regardless of uh, whether or not he's called me to do that because, hey, there's grace for that, right? Maybe it's this expectation that God is about your own comfort that he is about uh, your own gain, your glory, everything. And this idea has been so pervasive in our culture, in our churches, uh, that it has kind of rotted them from the inside many times. Because we have these expectations that Jesus is going to give us everything that we want, and we're so blinded by the things that he will give us. We, we want his stuff, we don't want him. And that's not why he has come. In Philippians 2, verses 5 and 6, uh, it says this, and, and I found this to be really convicting when thinking about it. Um, Philippians 2, 5 and 6 says, Adopt the same attitude as that of Jesus Christ, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. And here's how I think this relates. Jesus, as fully God and fully man, was not there uh, at this time to use his power for his own comfort. He wasn't there to use his power to gain anything that we had or could give him. He was there to use his power to seek and to save those who were lost to fulfill the will of the Father and to bring about a lasting salvation. And this is what he was kind of communicating to the scribe and to us. He's calling us to put aside our expectations of what we think following Jesus will look like. He's calling us, hey, I'm not some genie to be used to get whatever your heart desires. I will not be used as a means to an end. It's not Jesus and fill in the blank. It's only Jesus. And maybe uh, we haven't really looked at this as like a prosperity gospel thing. Maybe, maybe we're not on that side of things. Maybe we're kind of on this side of things uh, in our expectations where we think, hey, God, man, I followed you, so now you owe me things. Right? Uh, amongst singles, I, I've seen this come about in some ways where they're like, oh man, I'm following God and he's going to deliver like the perfect spouse for me. Hey, you know, God, since I've been following you, I've been, you know, doing this thing, you owe me now. I deserve this, I deserve that. Like, these are things that we like legitimately believe that God is going to give us something because we've kind of run up a good balance. We've earned some brownie points by following him, by serving him, by doing certain things. Uh, one of the ways that this came about is uh, for me uh, in my own story is I was talking to 
uh, one of my disciples, and I was like, hey, man, I've been struggling with this sin, and man, I think it's, I'm struggling with it because, you know, I have uh, not been reading my Bible very much lately, and he kind of stopped me. He's like, hey, man, uh, you're not struggling with your sin because you haven't been doing enough lately. Like, there's not a, you don't earn your freedom from sin by doing these things. Like, you're struggling with sin because you're sinful. And it was like, whoa, okay, like, I have this idea in my head that I have to do better and do enough so that uh, if I read my Bible enough, I will not struggle with sin anymore. Now, reading my Bible is a good thing, but it will not keep me from sin only God can do that. And it's these expectations that will distract us and, and want to make us want things that God has rather than God himself. And we know that riches are not the prize. Jesus is the prize. Saying, man, I've been pretty good lately. I've, I've done all these things for you. Uh, the, I, the prophet Isaiah says, when he stands before the Lord, that all of my works are as filthy rags. That even my best is not good enough. Because God is perfect. God is glorious so much more than I am. And yet in God's love, he has said, follow me. Set aside your expectations. Follow Jesus for who he is, not for what you expect of him. Follow Jesus for who he really is, not what you expect him to do for you. And then secondly, our comfort. Jesus is showing that following him is actually not going to be really comfortable. It's going to get a little uncomfy. He doesn't even have a place to lay his head. And for us, uh, we don't like to get uncomfortable. We can be honest with ourselves. Uh, When something changes in our life uh, that's like even a little thing, it throws us out of whack. We lost an hour. Uh, most of us are probably a little tired, a little cranky, and a little bit uh, uh, upset again of like, why do we keep doing this daylight savings thing? It's terrible. I hate it. And, and then when we gain the hour back, we'll say something different. But <laughs> right when things change, we get uncomfortable, and we don't like it. We're like, oh, man, this thing in me just doesn't like the weirdness. We don't like to get uncomfortable. Uh, sharing the gospel is uncomfortable at times. Helping people out that, don't, uh, partic- that you don't particularly care for. that are a little weird. Maybe they say some things that are offensive from time to time. Uh, it's hard to love them, right? We love to love the people that love us. Um, but loving people that are hard and selfish and uh, prideful, <laughs> we're like, nah, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. Talking to people about Jesus, uh, no, nah, that's uncomfortable. Don't want to do that. And what we're doing is we're saying, hey, actually, you know, 
I don't want to leave this zone for you, Jesus. Um, Sorry. I'm just not going to do it. Right? If your kid said, no, like, no, I'm not going to take the trash out, there would be a conversation. (laughs) There would be a hard conversation. It would be like, no, you are going to take the trash out (laughs) because I said to do it, right? And Jesus is calling us to get uncomfortable. Uh, That when we see new people, you know, we kind of shrink away. We're like, oh, I don't want to meet someone new. Uh, Introverts, that's you. (laughs) That's me. Like, I don't like meeting new people all the time. It's uncomfortable. I have to make small talk. That's not my strong suit. I am not the best public speaker in the world. It is uncomfortable sometimes being up here uh, and awkward pauses or forgetting what I'm going to say. Like, it's difficult. It's uncomfortable. But God has called me to preach his word faithfully, and so I am up here preaching to you, and I'm uncomfortable. It's difficult. It's not always fun. But he has called us to preach the gospel, to love others unconditionally, to follow him and put aside our expectations of momentary comfort to follow Jesus. And we won't do it perfectly. We're not always gifted in the areas that God has called us to be obedient and follow him but he has called all of us to lay aside our expectations, to lay aside our comfort and follow him. And so as we continue on, uh, Jesus isn't just calling us to reorient our expectations of comfort, uh, but he's also calling us uh, to lay aside our priorities, to lay aside things that are good things, to follow him. So look with me in verse 21. Lord, another of his disciples said, first let me go bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. So first thing we see uh, is another man and it says he's already a disciple actually. Uh, he is, so another of his disciples said, so he, he's not one of the 12 probably, but uh, he is maybe, there, there are many others that are disciples that f- have decided to follow Jesus uh, amongst the 12, right? So say, hey, let me go bury my father before I follow you. It's not a bad request. And most of us have in our hearts some sympathy for this disciple, like, dude, you, you lost your dad. That's tough. Like, that's hard. And so Jesus' response seems a little bit harsh to us. Uh, but here's just some context so that we might understand this interaction a little bit better. Uh, back in the day, the burial process was a lot different than it is now. Um, back at this time, their process was they would uh, basically put the body in a tomb Uh, And they would wait for it to decompose, uh, which could take a very long time, um, sometimes over a year. And then they would go back in, they would take the bones and put them in a box, and then they would take that box and put it in uh, basically uh, another site. 
um, almost like a crypt, basically. And so what he's saying is, hey, let me go finish this process. So we can kind of maybe infer some things about this. Again, word of God, unquestionable, like, and then me and my silly ideas. Uh, so what we could kind of see in this is that uh, this disciple's father is probably not recently deceased. Um, Jesus is not saying, hey, don't go to your dad's funeral. He is saying, hey, would you set aside this process? Would you set aside this burial and follow me? This thing that you are valuing is going to distract you from following me. So lay it aside, put aside what is important and follow me. Now, this was a pretty big ask. Um, to step aside from the burial process was often seen as very disrespectful to the one that had passed. And there's a huge honor culture system that's going on here where you honor your father and mother. That is a command from God that you follow. And Jesus is saying, I know this is good. Lay it aside and follow me. Don't be one foot in, one foot out, but follow me. It's not an easy thing that he's asking this disciple to do, but it's very simple. Follow me. Let the dead bury the dead. If you are going to follow Jesus, follow him now and put aside the things that you think need to be done before you follow him. And really, the way that this pertains to us is we have priorities, right? Priorities are just what we value, uh, what we would kind of order our life in of like order of operations I'm going to do this first, then I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this. And really what we do oftentimes with Jesus and with God and his call to follow him is we say, okay, but I'm going to do these things first. And when we do that, we are walking in direct disobedience to what he has called us to. This idea kind of of like many times we are protecting things in our lives that God has called us to lay aside. Sometimes uh, we are protecting sin, right? Like we protect our sin. We make excuses of like why we don't want to set certain things aside in our lives because really we, we still want to do that sin. It's, it's fun, it's nice, it's, you know, and we don't realize that we're missing out on following Jesus in that. A uh, quick example for me. Um, in my life, in my story, uh, God has brought me out of a lot of things. One is uh, I started struggling with pornography uh, when I was 12 years old. And there were many times where I was convicted about that struggle and either chose to step in a direction towards obedience or chose to make excuses of why I really didn't want to do that right now. Uh, I had an iPod Touch uh, when I was a kid, and that was a source of struggle for me because I had Wi-Fi, there were no blockers, I could 
go surf the internet any time that I wanted. It was right in my hand. And I remember one night sitting there praying, um, and I was reading through a passage, and it said, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. It is better uh, to live without your hand than to burn uh, and not follow Jesus. And that, like, gutted me, absolutely, because I was like, oh, man, like, I have been making so many excuses of, like, why it's okay to just hold on to this iPhone, like, iPod, even though I know it's causing me to sin, even though I know I have access to certain things, and I'm like, oh, no, I can, I can train my sin, I can just do better. Uh, we've all, like, made that excuse about some kind of sin in our life that keeps occurring over and over and over again, and we're like, this time. This time. Like, how many times can we say this time before we'll, like, finally get the message of, like, this isn't going to work? And so that night, as God convicted my heart, I take my iPod, and I go out to, uh, you know, I'm filled with righteous anger. I go out uh, to my parents' shed uh, in our house, and I took a nail, and I drove that nail straight through my iPod Touch, which was really cool. It made this, like, really cool sound and everything. But that was a, a movement towards not making excuses anymore, but to saying, no, I want Jesus. I don't want this anymore. And so sometimes in your life, as you're thinking about this, you have made excuses that are protecting your sin. You have made excuses that are protecting this sin that you just don't want to let go. That's uncomfortable. Maybe it's protecting your own image, and so you continue to lie about certain things to build up your self-image. Maybe it's your wealth, uh, and you're like, man, I don't really want to be obedient and give my money uh, because that means that I won't be able to buy uh, this next-gen thing, whatever it is that's coming out. Maybe it's just kind of uncomfortable. And so we're not willing to set aside. We, we make excuses. We justify, no, it's fine. I can live with this. You, you got an arrow in you. You're not going to last much longer. You're losing some blood, and you're like, no, it's fine. It's just a flesh wound. <laughs> but it's causing you to follow something other than God. You are valuing your sin over who God is. And what God is calling you to do is to lay all those things aside. Maybe it's something good. Uh, maybe it's something that you value, like your family. Maybe it's uh, certain times or certain trips that you're like, man, I, I really want to go on this. I want to do this thing. Uh, I want to love uh, in this way. And God says, hey, set that aside and actually follow me over here. And that's uncomfortable. It's not always fun. Uh, if God called me to move to Iowa, there would be a lot of wrestling there. <laughs> right? There, I, I have just like said as a blanket statement, God, I love you and I will go wherever you go. Please do not send me to Iowa. I know they need Jesus, but I just don't think I'm the one to go. <laughs> But it's true, we make allowances for that. And so we either don't go or we make excuses to protect something that we are valuing 
above and over who God is. And this is dangerous. If I serve God in a way that's going to be inconvenient for me, that looks like a loss sometimes. You're like, gosh, I'm losing so much. But what we can know and what we've seen over and over again in the Bible is that no matter what you give up, even if you give your life, you've not really lost anything. You have gained everything in Christ. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is by Jim Elliott. He is a, a missionary to Ecuador uh, who lost his life trying to reach this tribe that was there. And he says this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He who has lost his life gains it. To live is Christ. To die is gain. You have nothing to lose that won't be lost in the end. Money, fame, family members. Nothing to lose that won't be lost in the end. You have everything to gain in following Jesus. You have everything to gain. You get him in the end. It is not that we want to follow Jesus because we get to go to heaven. Like That's not the goal. Heaven without Jesus is just as good as hell. If we miss out on Jesus, we have lost. But to lay aside everything for him is to our gain. You get Jesus. And this is what Jesus is telling this disciple and this scribe. Follow me. Lay aside everything. Be all in and follow me. This is what he is calling all of us to do. The Spirit has called us to lay our lives aside and follow Jesus, just like the disciples did. He called them, and they laid everything down. And most of them were martyred preaching the gospel. Think about if Paul had just been like experienced one uh, bad interaction with a Jew or, or like gone through one of his beatings, just one, and been like, hey, I'm out. This is uncomfortable for me. Uh, I don't know if I can do this again. No, he gave everything. These guys weren't perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But he has called us to follow him. And so for those of you that are here today, and maybe you're wrestling in your walk with God, or, or maybe you haven't chosen to walk with Jesus, you just got a lot of questions. You're kind of at a turning point in your life. I don't think you're here uh, without reason. Like, I don't think that God has brought you here today uh, for any other reason that he, he is calling you to follow him. He would not orchestrate all of this, bring you to a church where the message all of a sudden is follow him on that particular day. He's calling you to follow him. And, and maybe you're like, man, I got to get my life figured out beforehand. I got to do these things before I come to Jesus. But let me just say this. The, requ the requirement was never that you come to Jesus already perfect, but that Jesus takes what is imperfect and through his own righteousness makes it new. That is the hope of the gospel. That is, Jesus is calling you to follow him now, not later.
to lay aside your comfort, uh, to lay aside your expectations, to experience his comforting hand, to set aside the things that you hold dear, that you cannot hold on to forever, and follow God. And so if you're a Christian, and as I've been talking, you've kind of felt the conviction of the Spirit in recognizing things where you've been walking in obedience or where you've been making excuses or choosing your comfort over God's kingdom. I just want to encourage you, that is a gift from God, that he would open up your eyes to your sin so that you might turn from it and follow him wholeheartedly that you might be able to see the things that you're holding on too tightly to and let go so that you can grasp onto Jesus. He's calling you to do that today. Would you turn from these things that you have chosen over him? Jesus is calling us to reorient our expectations, to lay aside this notion that Jesus is here to bring us comfort Following Jesus is not comfortable, but it is the only way to true life. He is calling you to set aside your comfort, your expectations, the things that you would value over him, your priorities. And though it might be painful and hard to lay these things aside, you are gaining what you cannot lose, and that is Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you just for these words um, that you have called us. You've said to, to all of us, follow me. And God, I pray earnestly that you would help us to do that. Um, that those who you uh, have convicted in their hearts with your spirit, Lord, would you help them to turn from their sin and choose you? Would you help us to follow you all the more? Would you grow uh, our desire for you above and beyond the things of this world that we desire and care about? God, would you help us? Would you mold us by your words? And I pray for all of us that you would help us to answer the call and be all in, that we would be all in in following you. God, we thank you and we praise you. Uh, that you are enough, that you are better than these things that pass away. God, we pray and we thank you in your name. Amen.